0: Um, you know, and I get to experience him, for lack of better words, in a whole new, fresh way. I kind of decrease, you know, humble myself, and it's just a beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you guys to join in with us on that fast. You know, it's nothing like just two or three people fasting. Man, what if we just got our whole church engaged and we all went after this thing? I think it would be glorious. I got John with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Okay, well, I'm going to be talking about vision today. Ooh, vision. I'm going to try to simplify it in the best way that I know how. Um, because in my experience, the charismatic church is kind of... I, I won't go there. We won't go there. That's just not fair. I'm a charismatic, so I don't want to... Yeah, that's not good. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Anyways, turn with me to Proverbs 29, 18, if you would. One verse. Before I go into this verse, I want to share a little story, something that happened to me this morning, actually, when I was driving in. It's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine to run out of window-washing fluid, especially given the season that we're in. Come on, how many are with me? Those who are here in New England know exactly what I'm talking about. Come on, you know, you just press button and nothing's there. It's just like, ah, no. Anyways, I had one of those moments. I don't think that there's much that annoys me, but this really gets under my skin. I had to, I think I at least blamed like five people for the reason why I didn't have window washer. It's weird because I'm the only one that drives the mini. It's not a coupe. It's a van. Just in case you were wondering. Listen, don't hate. Don't judge. I love my minivan. Matter of fact, when my minivan dies, I'm going to buy a new one. right 160,000 miles going strong I love that thing my wife drives an SUV I drive a minivan but I call it the mini just so it kind of disguises you know it's kind of soccer mom deal but anyways um but yeah I pressed the button to try to get some fluid out of my whatever that thing that little compartment that holds the fluid I call it liquid gold You know it's the liquid gold and uh you know eh, you know we had a snowstorm last night and so you know the sun was blazing this morning things were melting and all the salt that the crews had put on the the roads that night were just like flying at you and you know with no window washing fluid you just press your button and this this like white like caked on salt or whatever it is just smears your window you're like ah I can't And lo and behold, you're rolling down your window, you're like, oh my god, 80 miles an hour. Oh Lord please. I had one of those moments. You know, there's many things that I do when these things occur too. You know, you try to drive up close to the person behind you thinking that maybe there's more water that will come from their tires than there is salt. But yeah, you press the button, it still just makes it worse, right? And then one, you know, I always have, like, empty or halfway full bottles of water, because I just pound water all the time, in my car, and so I'll, I'll pick it up, and, and I'll try to, like, just, like, you know, 80 miles an hour, try to do the reach over, just, like, you know, pour it in, but, you know, it's just like anything, if it's raining, the wind just takes the water, mysteriously, back through the crack of my window and down my shirt. Have you ever had that? So you're, like, trying to load water on it, you're just, like, it just <laughs> right and then there's this the, the dangerous one of which I don't advocate doing Advocate doing, but you pull over you know it's snow on the ground you're on the highway trying to be careful of the cars racing by and you got snow so you go to the snow you just load up and throw it on the windshield drive in, it melts a little bit you put it on, wipes it away the problem is not only do you take the risk of ending your life seconds later you're in the same position as you were before you went and put snow on the window you know you're just back in the same thing it only works briefly and so many things i try to attempt and when i don't have the liquid gold that's what i call it. it's a, you know it's a very undervalued commodity <laughs> here and i really do i mean especially this time of year and um and so yeah i didn't have the washer fluid that i needed and you know The sun was out, so that, you know, it's just like the snow and anything, you know, that that white film just becomes magnified, you know, and you're like, oh my God, I can't see. And anyways, but that's what it's kind of like not having vision, right? And I kind of want to simplify the word vision. Uh, You know, vision for me is simply this, having a plan. It's having a plan. And I want to talk briefly about a specific kind of vision in terms, in regards of where it comes from. And so if you would, turn with me. Thank you, honey. Come on, give it up for my wife. (laughs) Yep, yep, I agree. Amen to that. (laughs) Amen to that. Proverbs 29, 18, I think captures exactly the type of vision I want to focus in on this evening. 29, 18, it says this. When the people don't accept, my translation is the NLT, divine guidance, they will run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Other translations say where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, both translation kind of captures really the importance of vision, not just a vision that comes from our own aspirations. How many have those? You know, when you actually think your own dreams, your own hopes, and the things you see for your future, some way, somehow, they intertwine with God's dreams, and God's vision, and God's plan for your life, but seemingly, they don't always do. You know, I know one for me, um, when before, we started the House of Prayer uh, there at 135 Western Avenue. It was not on me and my wife's grid. We loved prayer, don't get me wrong. We were doing House of Prayer, the church that we were a part of at the time. But we were really invested into the community and the new church that we had just planted with her mother in that season. And when Lou called us and said, hey, you know, how about we build a house of prayer in Cambridge, the Ivy League schools, you know, and he's just going on. I mean, it's hard to say no to Lou. I don't know if you know who he is, but or if you've heard him speak, but he's he's very persuasive. <laughs> and if you don't know him, well, I'd encourage you to sign up uh, for these dates. You won't, you will not be let down. It's going to be impactful, it's going to be an awesome event. But you know, I found out like when we started transitioning in. Coming to Cambridge and starting the work that the Lord had for us, it wasn't necessarily on my grid. It wasn't necessarily my plan. I didn't necessarily leap at the thought of joy, you know, like, yes, Cambridge. Um, But the Lord had a different plan. It was his prophetic, his divine guidance. And that's what I want to talk about. You know, there's a difference, and there needs to be a separation, I think, in our heads, in our hearts, between vision or the will or the plan that God has for us. There needs to be a difference between that and our own aspirations, because we can get very confused. You know, it's kind of like this. You know, you're thinking you want to go to Paris on a holiday, and the Lord calls you to a missions trip in the Middle East. You're like, hey! Sometimes, doesn't the Lord do that to us, doesn't he? You know, I love, I think it's Isaiah who says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And I'm just like, thank you, God, because if your thoughts were my thought, help me, Jesus. But there needs to be a separation between vision that we receive from God, or the plans, the purpose, the will of God for our lives, than that which comes from our own aspirations, the difference between going on a holiday or a missions trip. There's many people... Uh, especially in the charismatic world who go on missions trips, but they're little holidays. <laughs> That's just a little side note. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Excuse me. Seek his will, what? In everything you do. Are these verses too simple? I love the simplicity of these scriptures. You know, the proverb exhorting us to put all of our trust in the Lord. It doesn't make any kind of leeway or provision to do anything different. It doesn't say you put your trust in the Lord when you do this, but when you do that, you can lean on your own understanding. No, he says, put your trust in the Lord in everything you do. Lean not on your own understanding. And I think this proverb kind of uh, the will of man and the will of God. Proverbs 19.21, I love this. Listen, many are the plans in the mind of man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand forever. And again, we see in this kind of poetry in the Proverbs that lying between God's sovereignty In his will for us, and kind of our own understanding, our own plans, how many can relate? How many have some plans today? I'm not trying to kill those plans. I'm just trying to say, hey, let's not lean on our own understanding. Let's not just be settled with our own plans. Let's stand in the counsel of the Lord and see if he might change those plans. That's what he did for me in Bethany. Here we are serving in a homeless ministry. <laughs> yeah, that's where it was, you know, but it was glorious. God was great. And, and all of a sudden we get the call and we're like, wait, college students? Like, I barely passed sixth grade. No, I'm just kidding. But, it, you know, well, not too much. I mean, there's a little truth there. But, uh, but the Lord sometimes has a way of just changing things. But we have to put our trust in Him, don't we? It's very hard to put our trust in God, isn't it? We're so used to wanting to do things on our own. We're so used to not thinking anybody would ever be there for us in the area of counsel, in the area of care. Come on, am I talking to myself? Or, or do you relate to that? You know, we kind of live in a, a society that programs us to be like that. Just listen. You're on your own, buddy. <laughs> Ain't no one going to help you in this world. But the Lord wants to aid us in this area. He wants to aid us. He wants to come along a of us. And he wants us to put our trust in him. Not leaning on our understanding. And in that whole process, we get to find out the will of God for our lives. I don't know how many Christians I talk to today. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Wow, sorry about that. But it's an epidemic in the church. Many of us here this evening, you may yourself not know what the will of God is for your life, but I know this, the Lord wants to reveal it. And so there's three categories I'm hoping that we start to ponder and consider after this message. A vision or a plan for our families. First, if you're married, if you have children, even if you're not. Your families, a vision for... I just forgot. A vision for your family. Lord help me, Jesus. Nina. Family. It's just getting worse. Two things: vision for your family, vision for yourself. That's right, come on. Vision for yourself. <laughs> Woo! It's my first time preaching. <coughs> it's true. No, I'm just joking. for your family, vision for yourself, vision for your church. You're like, what? Vision for your church? When does that fit in? Well, you know, we are the body of Christ. You know, there's something that be beautiful that happened when you accept Jesus into your heart. He made you part of his body. We're in this body. You're a joint and you're to supply a need for that body. So a vision for your church. There's a lot of church haters out there today. I am pro-church through and through. I love the church. It's the only thing Jesus promised to build. It's the only thing that Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Come on. You want to be at church, in church, when you can. Church is important. There needs to be a new value. Actually, we just saw a poll that 98% of the people in Massachusetts, Boston specifically, are the most unchurched, un-Bible-minded, I guess is that's the word that they use, in the globe there's people who beat us but it's only about like two points man we just we need to redefine the importance and the value of the church in our time okay but anyways that's what we're talking about are we vision for your family vision for yourself and vision for your church now again I want to emphasize that this is not necessarily derived or come out of our own aspirations, um, trying to make that separation so we put ourselves under the counsel of God. Not leaning on our own understanding, but asking God, What is your plan? Remember, the bumper sticker passage, right? Jeremiah 29 11. For all I know, plans I have for you. You know, you heard of that song, Ken Henry? Is that, am I still in my time? Am I showing my... D- yeah. I actually got a call from Ken. Anybody know Ken Henry? Yeah, stay away from that dude. He's crazy. <laughs> straight up Ken. He's straight up crazy. Uh, sniffing glue or something. Uh, no, no, he's great. Yeah, but, uh, but he used to do the song, Jeremiah 29, 11. And it was, for I know the plans I have for you. You know, God has a plan for you. You know, you're not just meant to walk aimlessly through life, wondering or wandering. God has a plan for us. And, uh, sorry, excuse me, Proverbs 29 puts the emphasis on the value of prophetic or divine vision. In other words, vision that comes from God, right? Turn with me, if you would. Uh, you don't have to turn there because it's just one passage, but if you want, or you can put it up on the overhead, that'd be great. Uh, John 5.30, Jesus says this, I can do nothing on my own. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Just think about this. This is Christ. (laughs) God in flesh. You know, he, he says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Why? Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus says again in John 6, 38. These are just a couple. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of my Father, the one who sent me. How many, how would church change so drastically if that was actually the heart of the people who went to church? It's so many people living for themselves unscathed, not caring about the needs of the church. But here Jesus is, Son of God, comes as a servant, not to perform or do his own will, but to do the will of the one who sent him. What if that was our language when it came to our attitude of church? It's not about me. I've come to serve. What's the will of this house? What if that was the attitude that we had when it came to our families? Yeah, some of you young dudes and and ladies, Include you in there? Come on. Well, what if we actually had the attitude of investment? Yeah. What if we actually took the posture of investing rather than constantly consuming? What can you give me? <laughs> no, the Bible says, what can you give what well, can we give it? You know, I, 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 that's the heart that I have. I'm not just up here trying to get people to do something so that I can just get up and preach and lead worship. I'm in there. I'm sweating with you. I'm serving with you. And ultimately, I'm not trying to set myself up, although I am pretty cool. My wife told me that. I'm getting sozo. You know, it's, I don't quite believe it yet. But, you know, the Lord's working. In his time... Okay to laugh, it's church. <laughs> what if we actually had the attitude that wanted to invest into our church? I'm not just talking about your money. That's a good place to start. <laughs> but I'm not just talking about that. There are so many other needs where you cannot just be consumed by what's in front of you, your own will. But say, what is the greater purpose? What is the greater plan? Essentially, we want to spell that out over these couple of Sundays, hopefully by the grace of God, because we're also going to be talking about prayer and fasting, and so there's just a lot. But we're actually talking about today is why is vision necessary? Why is a plan necessary? You know, if you look at Proverbs 29, 18, you see that people cast off restraint. Another translation says they perish, they die. It's not a physical death. It's almost a death inwardly. You know, I don't know about you, but I see people who lack vision for their lives, who are dead inwardly. And it's not necessarily that they're dead spiritually. They just are aimlessly wandering about not knowing what their purpose, what their plan is in life. And that's what the proverb stands for here. Says without it, they cast off restraint. There's another thing where there's no vision. The word restraint means, you know, to morally cast off restraint. Who cares? Let's just eat, drink,
1: and be merry.
0: And so there's an element of where um, vision harnesses our craziness. You know, perfect example, okay? Everybody, I think, for the most part, knows. What currently is going on with the Justice House of Prayer, our house and stuff like that, the transition that's going on, it's not important to get into the details. But I started to notice about a week and a half ago, I feel embarrassed that I didn't know prior to, um, trying to, you know, here we are, we're we're thinking we have to find a new place and so we're scurrying, right? You know, we're just like, okay, so there's that potential here, there's that potential there and there's that potential there and there's that potential and there's that and everything is just scattered, it's all over the table. And and there's no rest, there's no peace. Why? Because we're unsure of what the Lord really wants to do. And so, instead of quieting our hearts before God, tuning our ears into that kind of prophetic uh, divine guidance, if you would, without seeming too charismatic, it becomes very clouded and murky. And, And you almost get this sense of chaos. You start talking to your closest friends and and they're like, dude, you guys are, you got to get, you got to get focused. You got to get a vision. What is the Lord speaking? Because you're everywhere. We talked to our board. We had like, we had like 50 scenarios, possibilities, directions that we could go in. And they're just like, this is crazy. And in a sense, we find that that's exactly what happens when there's lack of vision in our life. We're shooting in the dark. We're seeing a bunch of potential. Maybe we can go there. Maybe we can go there. Maybe we can do this. And all the while, God just wants us to quiet our hearts, tune our ears in, wrap a little prayer around it, and hear from him. Prophetic guidance, divine guidance. That's the thing about vision. It has the tendency to lead you and guide you in the path that you should go. It's real quick, turn to Amos eight. Is everybody all right? Yeah. when I'm raising my voice, I'm not mad. I have to put that disclosure in because people come to me and they said, "Are you mad when you preach?" I think one guy accused me of um, reminding him of Hitler. I was like, "Oh my God. He was from German uh, Germany. Excuse me. Yeah, that was quite a, quite a thing. I was like, "Whoa, man." <laughs> but it was it was yeah so I'm not mad I'm just passionate hopefully you pick up on that passion Uh, Amos 8 and here we get a little bit of a uh, an image if you would and some imagery of what uh, um, perishing or casting off restraint looks like in an old testament perspective um, we're going to read just the three verses. Here it is in Amos. It says, The time is surely coming. This is a prophecy by the prophet Amos. It says, The sovereign Lord, When I will send a famine on the land. Now listen, This is not a famine of bread or water, But of hearing the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord. Not the word of the Lord. Not the Torah. Not the Old Testament. The words. The prophetic now word of the Lord. Amos is prophesying a famine of the words of the Lord. And then he goes on. Now here's the imagery we get. And this is a cross reference verse to Proverbs 29, 18. In other words, this is the image that we get of what it looks like when people cast off restraint. Here it is. Verse 12. People will stagger, right, from sea to sea and wander from border to border. Searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. And so we get this imagery, imagery, excuse me, of exactly what Proverbs 19, uh, 29, 18 is saying. That these people, because of the outcome of the words of the Lord being uh, taken or are no longer there, that they are staggering, wandering around aimlessly, thirsting, hungering for the word of the Lord, but they find nothing. And I can't help but think that we as a church, and I'm not just saying we as taught but the church collectively is in that same position and posture. Why do I say that? Well, because I've been pastoring for some time now. I've been ministering. I've, I've been a minister of the gospel for about 14 years. And I constantly just see this people, me, myself included, that seem to be wandering around the mountain year after year, trying to find their place in this world. Their place. Oh, you, funny story. Come on, this is good. Michelle, you all right? You admire this, I think. Funny story, no lie. <laughs> Can we just put this in there because it's funny? You, who knows who Michael W. Smith is? All right. Finally somebody. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Michael W. Smith. We're on a phone conference getting ready for the call, D.C. Well, all the worship leaders are there. Um, and on the phone, I'm sorry, excuse me. We're having a conference about the scheduling. Luz there, debriefing us and stuff like that. And Michael W. Smith is on the phone and really awkwardly but funny as all get out. Lou pipes up. And, and, a, and the point of a serious part of the conversation, mind you, there's like, it was, we're, we're trying to hash it out. We're trying to figure this thing out. He goes, Michael! You know, I can't do his voice. I'm Michael! My boys are wondering. Will you do that song, trying to find my place in this world? And he's Michael is nowhere to be found, right? Mike, you there? Michael. Mike. And he just soberly, I think a bit embarrassed, he said, No, we won't be doing that song, Lou. Oh man, it was so cutting. It was so cutting. Anyways. (laughs) That would be bad because Lou actually said, Daryl, listen, we're going to get. And I know what that means. You know, you're not important. You know, (laughs) nobody knows you. We're going to give you the end of this thing. I don't even know if anybody knows you. (laughs) I'm like, thanks, man. And I think I heard Justin Rizzo laugh. But that was a funny thing. But anyways, we have tons of people in the church song trying to find their place in this world sorry about that, that was lame Christian jokes gone wild that's the way I see it, listen, don't judge me, don't judge me, I'm just trying to get you to laugh, some of you are like it's not funny this guy's where did this guy come from but it's God's will that he would give us purpose, Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This was Jeremiah's prophecy to the exiles of Israel. And if you know anything about the backstory, man, these guys had just gone through hell. And ultimately, a vast number of prophets were speaking against exactly, I'm sorry, excuse me, against what Jeremiah was prophesying. And the Lord just breaks in after this tough hard season in Israel's history and says no listen the Lord has a plan for you he has a purpose that good old bumper sticker passage so again if I could just say this that vision harnesses our crazy tendencies doesn't it it kind of controls us I know you don't like that word I need a little control in my life you know I need a little lordship (laughs) okay I need the lord to lord over me Amen. because if he doesn't this man is prone to do some crazy things ask my wife yeah i'm dead serious and some of you husbands are like whoa you yeah, speaking my language and vision does that for us a plan not just any plan not just any vision but a vision and a plan that is given to us by the lord Is everybody okay? I'm just trying to think what's next. Let's try to turn to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 quickly, and I think we'll end here. Again, I think the tendency is for most churches when they start talking about vision is kind of make the vision plain you know like that whole thing where we try to uh, disseminate our vision for our church or our vision for our house of prayer that makes tons of sense but we're not there yet we're just trying to kind of capture the biblical necessity of vision why is vision important why is a plan important for our life how many are at proverbs 3 5 through 6 have i read this verse already no okay i did praise the lord well we'll do it again there's got to be something else here right that's the thing is when you don't know what you're doing you know half of these words i just now came up with i know that's scary right nothing you guys didn't get that okay so trust in the lord verse five with all your heart don't judge me I, i felt some of the judgment actually when i talked about my minivan listen back off I'm going to go to the grave with that thing. I, I really do feel like it's going to go the distance. Okay. Trust. It's okay to laugh in church. Even if the jokes aren't that good. Uh, okay. Trust. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. I love this. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show. He will what? He will show you what path to take. How many here today, this evening, right now, need to know a path that they should take? You know, that's what it is in our lives right now in many areas. We have so many paths that we can take, but we're looking for that right path, right? And so what does the problem exhort us to do? What does it challenge us to do? But put our trust in God, not to lean on our own understanding. Simply, I can boil it down to this. And John, let me just find it. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Okay, never mind. We remember, right, um, when Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler, in verse 36, I believe, of chapter 5, I think Jesus boiled it down the simplest way that we can actually get this. And it may be so simple, it offends you. Why? Because we want things to be more complex. Because we think if we can't figure it out or wrap our brains around it because it's so simply, if we can't live it out, then, then it has to be more complicated than being more simple. Half of you didn't even get what I said. That was a Bill Johnson quote. I just, I just cracked open a fortune cookie for you. I'm going to have some Chinese food tonight. That's what's going to happen. But, but Jesus says, he says, seek what? The kingdom of God first. Is that too simple for us? It's, it's too simple. And honestly, we get kind of taken back by, like, that, that's it? I mean, surely a fortune cookie's better than this? That's it? That's what, you, that's what you're saying? That's what you think the crust of, of this whole, you know, purpose, plan, and will and vision for my life is? Is just seek the kingdom of God first? Yeah, yeah. And then Jesus ends that same statement with what? He said, in all things she'll be added. Not just some things. All things. All things. Say it. All things. Some of us have the problem of not seeking and going to God first. Ultimately, friend, he is the only one that can correctly shepherd and lead you in seasons that are hard I can't do it your friends can't do it they shouldn't be doing it but God can and sometimes we just need to redirect our minds to not letting the the pathway consume us like what road should we take and we just, just yield to the spirit of God seek his kingdom make him first And then see what comes about. You know, that's the thing about trust. Is when you trust, you trust God, man, you just you can trust Him with the outcome. A lot of us we we don't go there because we're concerned about the outcome. But ultimately, if we trust in God, the outcome is up to Him. I don't know, that sounds like a good insurance policy to me. It's like so, God, all I have to do is trust you, seek you, not lean on my own understanding and you're going to give, you're going to add unto my life everything that I need. Yeah. Is that too simple? You know, we count on so many things to try to bring about provision and security in our lives and many things, you know? Everybody striving for the American dream and this and how can I build my bank account this high and, and all, all, you know, we're, we're just so nine to five, some of us even more, going, 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 going. God simply says, no, listen, me first. Seek me first. And you know what? You know what I promise? You know what I promise by you seeking me first? I will give you everything you need. But sometimes what we think we need is not enough. You know, sometimes the provision of what God kind of gives us in seeking Him, we're kind of unsatisfied. We're like, really, God? This is the best, this is the best you got? Really? I just got a Matthew Harlan kind of a facial expression there. <laughs> it's the best you got. God knows. He knows. He knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly how much we need. We live in a land of excess. We should never judge God's provision in regards to worldly provision. God is a God of excess, but he's also a God of wisdom. And sometimes excess can cripple us. So the Lord calls us to trust in him. He calls us to seek his kingdom first. Is this okay? Steve, are you all right? I love you, man. Are you feeling good? Good. Melina, good? All right, good. My prayer partner Friday. Just the two of us. But we had some guests. Come on. Who who wrote that song? Oh, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) The good thing about trusting God is it's kind of like an Arjuna-free policy you get. You know, you may not know what Arjuna means, but you know, sometimes the things that so deeply concern us and worry us and make us fearful, when you trust in God, those things kind of just crumble and fall away because you're not worried and you're not so much focused and consumed about doing things in your own strength. But you know that his strength, his ways, his provision is much better. Let's close our eyes. Father, there's so many things within our minds that need to be redefined, that need to be reprogrammed. Lord, I just ask for your grace, Lord. I ask, Lord, for those who are facing um, complex situations, Lord, Lord, that you would give them an immense, overwhelming sense of just trust, trusting you, Lord, for provision, trusting you for the outcome. But I just ask, Lord, that we as a community would be able, Lord, not to lean on our own understanding, Lord, what's. God, what has little risks, God? Lord, we would trust in you, knowing, God, that you will illuminate, God, the path that we should take. Father, I ask, Lord, for anyone struggling with fear and worry here today, Lord, everyone who may feel as though their vision, uh, that they lack in it, they don't have a plan, they don't really know what the purpose of God is for their life. Father, I ask Lord, that by your grace, Lord, you would communicate it to them. Lord, that you would show it. You know, that's the good thing about vision, guys. In Jeremiah 29, um, uh, 29, 11, it's uh, preceded by a verse 10 that says um, this. It says that, um, for I know the plans I have for you. That's verse 11. Um, But in verse 10, it says, we have this. Or sorry, this is what the Lord says. So let me back up because it just was a thought that jumped into my mind. What precedes verse 11 about the plans God has for us is this. It says, this is what the Lord says. That's the thing about vision and God's plan for our lives. He will be faithful to communicate it. He does not leave us in the dark. Rather, it comes through a prophetic voice in your life or it comes through God's uh, uh, capability to speak to you through a vision. God will not leave you in the dark when it comes to his purpose and his plan for your life. And so, Father, I just ask God for the grace to hear your voice, Lord. I ask God that you would take, Lord, the um, the the. the Whatever it is that is blocking our ears and, and, and causing our spirits to be confused about perceiving and hearing the voice of God. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would give us the gift of hearing. Give us the gift of seeing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want Will to come. And we're going to close here. And the children's pastors are going to be like, glory. That's how you keep your children's pastors happy. You give about a 45-minute sermon. And they're like, thank you, Jesus. See, you Bethany may be your favorite preacher, but Crystal, she, uh, she likes me because I don't take an hour. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. This is what I want to do. <laughs> oh, Lord, i got to do an altar call after that. I'm going to. All right. Listen, I want to pray specifically for those who feel like they are in that season of wandering or wondering what it is um, that God has for them. I want to pray for those who may be having a hard time hearing the voice of God. Can we do that? Surely there's people here today that feel that way. So we can officially dismiss. But for those who want prayer in the specific area, I want you to come up to the altar. We're going to get some people here. I'm going to pray for you. Come on up. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. This is a good thing.